Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the NBA Front Office Show. What a crazy trade deadline. We were a little worried heading into it. A few weeks ago, we were talking about it maybe being too quiet of a trade deadline. Not the case at all. We had a ton of action all day. I'm still tired from it. And we're going to break it all down here. But first, before we get into that, we have to do a quick shout out to our sponsor. And that is Theragun, who's certainly somebody that I do need right now to deal with the stress. Don't let the stress of daily life or the trade deadline weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or just trying to make it through the day tension-free Theragun can help. It's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or injury or just the stresses of everyday life or the trade deadline, there's no substitute for a Theragun Gen 4. Uh, the Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. I use mine all the time. You can try Theragun for 30 days starting at just $199. Go to theragun.com slash office right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Theragun.com slash office. Theragun.com slash office. All right. Keith Smith, Real GM, Yahoo. All over the place, Celtics blog. You had you had just like I had a crazy day yesterday covering Lakers stuff. You had an even crazier day covering everything. How are you holding up at this point? I'm doing all right, man. I uh, did did I got very little sleep last night. I was trying to get cap sheets updated and chasing buyout news and and uh, you know it was funny. I had a couple of those moments where it's like. Oh yeah, that guy did get traded and like had to re-remember what team he was gonna be on. And it was funny. <laughs> it was eight thirty last night, and I finally was like, Oh yeah, there's games on. Like I didn't even think that right. there were you know about there shouldn't be though. There shouldn't no, be. They, why they, do we yeah, why do we do this to ourselves? Yeah, it, we we were talking a little bit off air before we started, and I really think like I liked when this came out of the all-star break. Like, mm-hmm. I just think that works out really well. Then the guys can report to the new teams, get in at least a couple of days of practice. So I'd even be in favor of, you know, there's nothing going on, you know, on those weekends right now. They start free agency, like on that, like Sunday or whatever it is yeah. and kind of dominate that day. Like, let's do the trade deadline on that Sunday. Um, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. And then by Thursday, we repick up again um, in a normal year. That, that could be something to think about timing wise. But yeah, wild day. So much happened. Uh, crazy. Busiest trade deadline in NBA history. I think it was, was it? 16 trades, 23 teams. This is just yesterday. Too. Oh this God. doesn't account like count for like the Rockets trading for PJ Tucker right. or, or any of that stuff. So uh, sixteen trades, uh, forty six players, and twenty three teams uh, made made at least one trade. Keith, so when um, you set the so under over our last madness. our last show, you set the under over at what ten ten and a half? I, I think you said ten. Yeah, hey, I'm yeah. I'm thrilled. 10, yeah. We got the over. And again, we were talking just did, weeks yeah. ago about how things might be a little bit quiet because of the play in situation with. You know, the 10th seed potentially feeling like they could be a playoff team or maybe even 11th place. So you're going to have more teams holding on to their players. Uh-uh, that did not happen. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, Jeff Weltman, the Orlando Magic president of basketball operations, we're going to get into mm-hmm. them. They had an extremely busy day. Ooh, yeah. um, he mentioned 
today in his media availability that uh, there were uh, more buyers than sellers, which kind of motivated the Magic going the direction they did because mm-hmm. they, they got uh, not stepping on anything here, but but they got good returns for their players. So that they were um, uh, very, very busy in part because they were one of the few teams that was selling. And, and I kind of look at it as, yeah, they, they were one of the few, but the ones that did, they sold kind of big. Um, but I know we want to start with the trade that didn't happen. Yeah. Right. Uh, Kyle Lowry, um, you know, looked like as uh, they finished their game on Wednesday night, his post-game press conference felt like it, he was saying goodbye to everybody. And then, yeah, and then throughout the day, uh, things were, were here in Philly, we're here in Miami, the Lakers were involved, we, we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we heard that there was, um, the Raptors made a couple uh, uh, roster clearing games. Yeah. And it signed. It looked like they were lining up to do a three or four for one trade to to bring in guys to to send Lowry out. And then at the end of the day, it didn't happen. Masai Ujiri said last night they just didn't have the right offers to to do it, and they weren't just going to send him anywhere. They were trying to do right by him, send him somewhere he wanted to be. But Philadelphia didn't do that. They they pivoted to George Hill, and then uh, Miami didn't go in. Miami ended up going in on uh, Victor Oladipo. And then the Lakers. They, we we talked about all the reasons. We don't need to rehash all of it, but it was always going to be very hard for them uh, to to get there because it was going to have to involve Dennis Schroeder and somebody else because Schroeder only made about a half of Lowry's set. So they were going to probably have to do Schroeder and maybe KCP. And, and there are a lot of reasons why the Lakers, you know, in my opinion, you know, should have, should not have done that, uh, you know, kind of deal. Cause I think it just sort of left them a little too shy depth wise, but yeah, Lowry stuck in Toronto, which, it's not like it's going to be awkward, like where a guy asked for a trade and then didn't happen. Um, it's unclear he really wanted to be traded. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like they're like, hey, welcome back, Kyle. Like, it's pretty <laughs> tough. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be. We fine. weren't expecting you to um, be here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But definitely a little bit of a weird situation there. Yeah. And, you know, from from the Lakers and the Miami Heat side of things, what we heard was that the sticking point was on the Lakers side, Taylor Horton Tucker, the Lakers drew the line in the sand right there and said, we won't add him in, but we'll give you KCP and Schroeder. And then the Miami Heat would not part with Tyler Hero. And that was, uh, Toronto was basically waiting to hear, we'll give you THT or we will give you uh, Tyler Hero. And that apparently would have caused them to pull the trigger. Now we don't know the full details. Perhaps there was more in there. It might've been Taylor Horton Tucker and a pick or Tyler Hero and a pick sure. or, or something else could have been been part of that, but it felt like those young guys were the sticking point there. But you're right, Keith, as soon as we saw, right, and we were all watching this very, very closely, as soon as we saw Toronto make those moves to clear open roster spots, we said, up, oh, it's going to happen. A move is going to get done. We don't know what the move's going to be yet, but you don't make those moves unless you've got something lined up and ready to go. And so when it came out that Kyle Lowry was not being traded, I felt like that in my mind, I was thinking maybe 5% chance they just keep him. Extremely slim chance based on what we've seen so far that they hang on to him. He's getting moved. And then lo and behold, he's still a Toronto Raptor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I'm guessing the reason why, you know, for for the Heat, clearly they like Tyler Hero quite a bit. They He was a big part of their finals run last year. Mm-hmm. He's cheap and under a rookie scale contract for a couple more years. Uh, so that's you know, really important to them. And then, then for, for the reality is, 
you you're going to get really stuck if you trade Schroeder, KCP, and Horton Tucker for the next month at least until LeBron right. is back. Because uh, now you know news came out yesterday, of course, that LeBron sounds like four to six weeks he's going to be out for. Um, that that that's really that the, every team there's a bridge too far, right? And, and yes, on its face, should Talon Horton Tucker hold up a Kyle Lowry trade? No, but under the circumstances, you can understand why he would, um, you know, and, and like you said, and then, and then if there were picks involved with that. And then the other thing you have to factor in, too, is Lowry very vocally wanted a two year, $50 million contract extension. What was the yes. word? Then if not an extension, uh, which which really technically isn't possible um but that that's what he wanted in a new contract and if you were the lakers or the heat or anybody else and saying that's that, that's too rich for our blood then yeah then, then it really makes sense to say no nah, we're we're we, they, 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 we just can't do this we can't trade all these guys for a guy we don't know that we're going to resign yeah and that's that's the challenge and i mean basically any team that is trading for him would have to agree to that if you're going to give a give up those kind of assets that the heat were being asked to give up that the lakers were being asked to give up you are not doing that for a half a year rental of Kyle Lowry. You're doing that under the the assumption that you're going to keep him around for another, maybe it's another couple of years and you have to be okay with paying that asking price. And we could debate whether or not mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry is worth that 25 million. He's a tremendous player. And so maybe he is worth that, but that is, it's just another hurdle that you have to clear to get there, to feel yeah. okay with, with parting with what they were at. But so, so that doesn't go down, but, the, a few deals did go down, and a lot of them came, Keith, from from Orlando. And and you're right there. You're <laughs> you're seeing all this all this happen. I I mean, just just big picture. I liked what the Magic did. I I liked that they that they didn't say, well, you know, we're going to trade away one guy, and then we'll kind of see where things. Are. No, they went for it. They decided if we're going to rebuild, let's do this the right way. They identified what was a seller's market. And they took advantage of it. So I, I think I think the Magic had a nice day, even if it means they're going to have some rough seasons coming up. I think long term, this puts them in pretty good shape. Yeah, it's going to be horrible for the <laughs> right. rest of this year, bad next year too. Uh, but the years after that are what really matters here. And I, I think what the Magic did was this is a good deep draft. They they put themselves in position to get a really good good couple players uh in this draft class uh with, with these trades their own pick should be very good the pick they're getting from chicago should be good chicago did well to protect uh the the, the picks just in case everything goes sideways on them uh but the, the deal deter their deal details um it's trevor right <laughs> that's where we're um, all at right now <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. It was um, uh, Alfred Camino and Nikola Vucevic from the Bulls uh, mm-hmm. to the Magic for Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, two protected first round picks. Um, and then the the uh, the, the uh, there's going to be a small um, trade exception as well. So w- what ultimately this really is, is it's Porter doesn't have any real value no. to Orlando. Immediately, speculation was that the Magic would buy him out, right? Expensive veteran on a one on an expiring contract on a bad team. You start looking at the writing on the wall. Jeff Weltman talked about liking Otto Porter and thinking he brings some stuff to the team, you know. So I don't know that we're going to see a buyout there. At least, maybe not right away. This this could be one where they bring him in, let him play a few games. Orlando also still, I mean, they still are dealing with a ton of injuries, mm-hmm. so they do need some form of depth. They're only going to have eight players for the game tonight against the Trailblazers, and they're not 
eight guys you necessarily want to have is your only eight players available in any kind of game. So this one was a shock, though, because we were working under the assumption Aaron Gordon was going to get right. We knew that kind of by midday Wednesday. We felt really confident that was going to happen. Evan Fournier, I've been saying for weeks, even on this show, I thought he would get traded. Um, And then Bavuch. It sounded like the Magic were saying, uh, we're going to hang on unless we really get pulled over. They did. They got two yeah. firsts. They got Wendell Carter, you know, who's a young big, kind of Vooch's replacement there. And, you know, and they, they're, they're in a pretty good position. And those aren't firsts from, like, the Bulls, you're not thinking all of a sudden you're getting a pick in the mid to late 20s. Right. You're still thinking this is a, you know, mid-teens uh, pick here from the Bulls unless they you're really coming together. And I think there's a chance the Bulls – they still may not even make the playoffs because I think the challenge for Chicago is it's going to take them a couple weeks to get get things really coming mm-hmm. together because they made a lot of roster changes. They also made another trade where they bring in Daniel Tice. Um, I like all the guys that Chicago's bringing in. It's just going to take a while for them to find their footing. So so it's going to be you know one of those things to keep an eye on for how do the Bulls you know how quickly can they mesh. So so Orlando might be looking at a couple really good picks here. Um, as things get put forward, and if that's the way it is, then that's the way it is, and they'll 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 feel pretty good about that moving moving down. Yeah, let, let's talk about the Bulls for a minute here because looking at where they stand, they're currently tenth in the Eastern Conference, nineteen and twenty four record, yeah. which is good enough to almost be a playoff team in the East. Um, and they good enough to almost be the I know right? <laughs> good enough to almost be the four seed. <laughs> uh, they they've lost two in a row here. But and this team has a negative point differential, but it's only a negative point seven. So they're they're right there. I mean, the Charlotte Hornets are the four seed, and they're also yeah. a negative point seven in point differential. Go figure. But what do you think yeah, here when you're looking at, at this? Point. The Bulls clearly are making moves right now in order to try to get into into the playoffs. When you're looking at the Eastern Conference, and we take a look at the table, who are they bumping? Like who do you see? Who do you look at and think you know that team? could really get bumped out. I mean, obviously Charlotte, now that they're, they're missing LaMelo Ball, maybe he comes back this year. But who else are you looking at in the Eastern Conference thinking, okay, Chicago's now better than that team? Yeah, at some point, Atlanta's going to level mm-hmm. off a little bit, right? They, they, they've they lost two in a row now after winning their first state under under uh, uh, replace Lord Pierce. I think most people expect the Heat and the Celtics will push up into, yes. into the top six. And that's what's important to remember, right? The top six are the assured playoff teams. Yeah. Then in the play-in, and, and I've, I found a lot of people are confused about how the play-in works. I've been getting that so too. We can just reset. Yeah, it's seven plays eight. The winner of that game gets the seventh seed. The loser of that game will play the winner of nine versus ten. The winner of the, the that game gets the eighth seed. Mm-hmm. So if you're seven or eight, you need to win once to get in. And if you win the first one, you're the seventh seed. And then if you're nine or ten, you need to win twice because you got to win that one, and then you got to go on to win the second right. one to get in as the eighth seed. So it's it's it, it is it's a mini tournament, right? I mean, let's call it what it is, right? To call it a playing tournament, right. it, it's a mini tournament. There's no standings qualifier this year like there was in the bubble. Right. Uh, that stuff isn't isn't happening this year. I, the quick aside, there should be a standings qualifier, one hundred percent. Like I believe on um, me, if we get in a more normal year in the, um, you know, uh, eighth place team has a seven game lead or something, they should not have to play in a play and they've done their work already, but that, that's, you know, that's a rant for another day. We'll save that for off season content. <laughs> Neat stuff. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the Bulls stick in the play-in. I don't, I don't have any real faith that the Raptors or Cavaliers catch them from mm-hmm. behind. I think the Wizards, Magic, and Pistons are pretty well out of it. I think the Wizards, you'll see Beal and Westbrook rest pretty heavily down the stretch. Magic clearly different direction. Pistons have been bad all year. Uh, so it's really going to be the Raptors or Cavs. I don't know that anybody catches them, but I don't know that the Bulls can push up into the top six. Either. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know that I believe in them. That I guess much. I should really be looking at it from that angle. It's not necessarily who Chicago going to knock out. It's who's going to catch them. And you're right. I don't think anybody's catching yeah. the Chicago Bulls, maybe the Raptors. But again, that's iffy and they're struggling in in uh, Tampa and, and all of that. But yeah, I think I look at the Bulls as a team that's going to get bounced in the play-in tournament. That's that's how I'm seeing yeah. them right now. Maybe that changes between now and the playoffs. We still have a ways to go. And if things gel with, with Busevich, I mean, he's certainly good enough to flip that. But as of right now, I'm looking at it, you know, if we were to start today, it's Bulls versus Pacers. I think, okay, that's a toss-up. But even if the Bulls get through there, they're not beating the loser of Miami versus Boston. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I can't can't see Miami and Boston losing two in a row. Be Miami and Boston. I think that they will get it together enough to pass. I think Miami and Boston will be the four five matchup in the first round. Neither one of them is going to play well enough. I mean, it's just almost impossible to make up eight games on Brooklyn uh, or Milwaukee for for two three. But I I think that'll probably end up the four five. So then it becomes who's going to get it out of. Charlotte, New York, Atlanta, Indiana, Chicago. I still believe in this Pacers team. Yeah, me too. Um, even, even though everything they've kind of done this year, I probably should get, give up on that at this point. But yeah, I mean, everybody in the East remains a week away from, all right, we're good. We're, we're in the mix for the four seed. We can feel good about it. In a week away from, ah, crap, we're going to have to go through the plan. You know, it, it's just it's just the, the the way that that's looking there. So, so yeah, so with the Bulls, you know, Overall, though, even if it doesn't happen for him this year, I like this trade for them. I think Vucevic, you know, I think he's very good. Um, I'm a big fan. I think uh, him along with uh, Zach Levine, that's a foundation you can really work with. Uh, You need to put good quality defenders and shooters around them uh, to make sure it works. But I think the Bulls have have some guys who make a lot of sense on that roster right now. I think they've got uh, Patrick Williams, I think, is a really ideal guy. Mm -hmm. As his game grows, he'll look even better next to those two. So I like the investment for Chicago um, to go get Vooch and, and, and move this forward um, you know, with, with that team. And then on the Orlando side, because now, now we'll tie in your other two moves just to kind of close the book on the magic. Uh, they traded Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets for a protected first-round pick. Um, and I'll talk about that in a little little bit more in a second because there's something important to know with that one. Um, also, the um, they're bringing in uh, R.J. Hampton, Gary Harris, in that right. trade, so the, that, that's a couple of uh, you know guys that that are a little interesting there. Harris, that was more of the salary component to the trade. Hamptons, the Hampton and the pick or the get for Gordon. And then they traded Evan Fournier to the Celtics for really what amounts to two second round picks because they also took on Jeff mm-hmm. Teague, but they're going to waive Jeff Teague. He's not not even going to report uh, to Orlando. So so yeah, so the Magic basically everybody but Terrence Ross who absolutely won the trade. He was fantastic. With his Twitter feed, amazing. I'm um, the captain know, so now. That was, <laughs> that so was great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Terrence Ross is uh, you know, the lone man standing there, uh, Orlando of the veteran group. But, yeah, so what, what the uh, 
you know, and they traded Gary Clark in the Aaron Gordon deal mm-hmm. to get back up forward. Um, so for the Orlando side, and then we talk Denver and Boston in a minute, I love it. You know, Hampton yeah. and Carter are, you know, good young players under team control for a couple more seasons each at least. Uh, three for Hampton. They got a bunch of picks. Going to have three first-rounders. That one from the Nuggets is interesting because it's a little later. As someone from the Magic put it to me, those could be post-Jokic years. If Jokic decides, I'm good here in Denver, I want to go try something different, by the time that pick comes to them, it could be post-Jokic. So 2025, that, that yeah. really changes things. Top, top yeah, five so, protected, so there's some limitation yep. there. But but you're still right. I mean, if you wind up, if that's if that winds up being a top 10 pick, now that's looking yeah. pretty good. Top 10 pick plus R.J. Hampton for mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon. You know, maybe if they can get Gary Harris healthy and you know, rehab his value, he's a guy you could flip next year as an expiring contract mm-hmm. um, to, to, to a team. So, so yeah, I love what Orlando did. It's funny. I, I said today on local radio here, I'm not a Magic fan, but I woke up more excited about this team's future than I have in a long time. Yeah. And I said because before it was capped. Jeff Weltman said today, I thought it was really interesting. He's, again, the Magic president of basketball operations. He runs the front office. He said to, today, at the beginning of the year, they thought they could be a home court advantage team. And he said, as the season has played out, nothing has changed his mind on that they could have been. But as the injuries just piled up, they just became too much. And he said, but even with that in mind, we sat down as a staff and said, can we win a championship with this group? And when the answer was no, the decision became, let's start moving players. Because yeah. he said, as recently as a week ago, they were looking at paths to add players to this team and chase a playoff spot. And he said, you know, we felt like we owed that to Vooch and Gordon and Fournier and, and those guys. And, yeah. and I think that's really refreshing and candid from a general manager or president of basketball operations in this case, but a decision maker to admit we're just not good enough. So we're 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 going to tear this down because otherwise you get stuck in the middle, right? You keep chasing Treadmill this stuff. Team. You give out questionable contracts. Yeah, you you, you make a couple mm-hmm. bad trades, and, and the next thing you know, you're somewhere between six and ten for the next you know four or five seasons, and they don't want to be that. And this is their first chance, this front office, to really rebuild this team in their image because. A lot of these guys were holdovers from the prior prior uh, regime. They're running things, so so now they really get to 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 build this. And, and I think for the Magic, they're in really good shape going forward. Agreed, agreed. I, I do like the shape the Magic are in. And I'll tell you what, I also like this from the Nuggets' perspective. I like yes. I like what they did here. I mean, it, in one hand, I've seen people saying, "Well, he's just he's replacing Jeremy Grant." Aaron Gordon is. Okay, they're, okay. I mean, they're, they're different players, but <laughs> I mean, but that's there's nothing wrong with that. And then you they look don't at, have Jeremy Grant anymore, yeah, so that's fine too. Exactly. And then you look at what they're going to have to deal with Denver, right? Heading into the playoffs, yeah. LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, all all these wing players that that you're going to run into, right? At some Big point, wings too. Yes, you need a guy like Aaron Gordon who can play some defense for you there. Yep. And that's uh and so that was a big addition for them. Somebody that they can throw at those guys. And then who knows if they have, you know, aspirations of making it all the way to the NBA finals. If it's the Brooklyn Nets staring across from them, you need someone to defend KD, Kevin Durant. Um so I like this move a lot a guy for you the can Denver throw Nuggets. On Giannis too. 
right? Yep, if, absolutely. if it's the box. Um, yeah, if it's Philadelphia, you have another guy who could guard Ben Simmons now. Yeah, that's the thing. Aaron Gordon is not a defensive stopper. He's no. not he's not not a anybody you're gonna look at and be like, this is an all defense guy, but he is now probably the best defensive forward on the Nuggets and probably by a pretty good margin. Uh Paul Millsap's still pretty good, yeah. but but that's more of a center type defender at this point now than he is anybody. He's not stepping out on guys on the perimeter the way he once did. So I think what's really important with Gordon here is um, people forget that this too sometimes. Nobody stops Kawhi or LeBron or those other guys we mentioned, but he's done a good job on those guys, better than a lot of other people have because he's big. He's similarly built to LeBron. He's quick. He's athletic. So he can hang with him. He's not going to get blown by. You know, LeBron's still going to get his. But the whole idea, especially in a playoff series, is just making him work. It can't be easy for right. him. So, yeah. So I think Gordon gives him that. And then on the offensive end of the floor, Gordon's had his best shooting season, uh, you know, by by a, a good lot. amount. But he's been trending upwards, as a, especially as a catch-and-shoot guy. He doesn't do a whole lot um, off the dribble as a shooter. Um, but catch and shoot, you know, he's going to get a ton of those now playing with Jokic. Mm-hmm. He's also a pretty good cutter. And this gives them a vertical threat that they did not have, right? They, they, after they got rid of Jeremy Grant, they don't have anybody who's going up and getting a lob on this team. Now you can run those plays. That you can't. You could just envision Yoko where, you know, he kind of spins, he goes rolling down the middle. He's got Murray and Barton mm-hmm. and Porter spaced out around the arc. And in comes Gordon on the weak side from the dunker spot. And there's a lob and a dunk. You know, you can just envision that happening over and over and over again. Um, and then his teams say, all right, we're going to, you know, make sure you can't do that. Then Gordon, you know, plants himself in the corner and Jokic dimes him up for a three. So I think the Nuggets, you know, this move, because the other thing that I don't think enough is being factored in. Gary Harris has been hurt, not really playing much. R.J. Hampton's a rookie that wasn't a part of the rotation. And the pick, we'll, we'll see, but that's one of those where let's worry about that later. If it gets us a finals run, who cares about the pick? That doesn't, no one's going to remember that. Um, so, yeah, so you got Aaron Gordon for essentially two guys that weren't going to be part of your playoff rotation. It was starting to look like anyway. And they've got more than enough guard depth to get by because they play Murray at the, as kind of the off guard quite mm-hmm. a bit with Campazzo and uh, Morris in the game. So, yeah, I think the Nuggets are as deep as they have been. And I think they're in as good a position now um, to make to make a run as it's been. And that's weird because they were in the Western Conference Finals last right. year. But I think this group is even Yeah, I do, too. I think that, that they are better. I think that the athleticism that Gordon brings is important. And I think I like the risk-reward here because – I really look at this as a low risk move. This isn't like they went out and got a 35 year old where they're saying, okay, this, this year, it has to be this year. No, he's 25. He's 25. So this is a guy that fits in the timeline with everybody else on your team, with Jamal Murray, with Jokic, right? I mean, he fits in not just this season, but for the future. And so I like this a lot. Uh, for the Denver yeah, we Nuggets, we think of him because he's been around for so long. Exactly. We all, we all, we but he was super of, young you know, coming Gordon in. Being older, yeah, he was only eighteen. So yeah, yeah. Uh, let's close it out with the Celtics part yep. of this. Um, Evan Fournier is better as a shooter and scorer than anything the Celtics have had. Um, you know, in that role uh, since they lost Gordon Hayward, he's going to play kind of the Gordon Hayward light. Mm-hmm. 
equal offensively. He's not quite the passer Hayward is, but he's every bit the equal as a scorer and shooter that that uh, Hayward was with Boston, not what Hayward is right now in a primary role in Charlotte. Um, but yeah, that's what they'll do. They'll, they'll use him. Um, it was getting rough on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Everybody kind of you know starts you know there's not enough ball movement and they try to do it too much by themselves. Well, when in the first three quarters you've drove and kicked four or five times just to watch jump shots clank off the rim or nothing good happen yeah you're going to hang on to it and try to make the play yourself because mm-hmm. that's a you know even the the low efficiency play by you is more efficient than what you know is probably common so that's where fournier helps them quite a bit they didn't really give up anything to get him um teague and a couple second round picks uh, that's fine um so I, I i think that that's good and then on the flip side of it um you know daniel tice had to be traded because they needed to get in under the salary, under the luxury tax. They don't want to trigger the repeater tax. They know they're going to be a tax team going forward because of Tatum's extension, Brown, Walker, other things. So so they don't want to um, pay pay it this year. So they, they moved Daniel Tice. A lot of people are saying, man, that's really going to hurt the defense. In theory, that is correct. But they've been an awful defensive team almost all year anyway so i don't know how much worse it can really possibly get uh robert williams will now get all the minutes he can handle got tristan thompson they're engaged on the bio market with andre drummond we'll Mm -hmm. see if that's the direction they go or not uh everyone knows i was against trading for drummond but if you can sign him for the rest of the season absolutely um that's that's fine you know as a prorated you know a uh, uh, you know veteran contract for the rest of the year no no issues there so yeah i think the celtics are in a position where they're better today they're not contenders by any means they're they're, they're not gonna you'll go to the finals unless this team really flips a switch we we haven't seen all year long i mean maybe there's a you know two percent chance that happens you know but it's uh you know this to me was about as danny Ainge said today he sensed the team was discouraged mm-hmm. um, and was you know really starting to kind of lose hope. And he said this was about giving the team hope, the coach hope. And I think this was about telling Tatum and Brown, we're not giving up. You know, we're not going to punt a season just because it didn't go our way. Where we're still going to try to make the best of it. And you know what I've been saying all along is, it is a weird season. Be the best team you can be because you don't know what you might be facing. Yeah. You know, let's say they get into the fourth seed. They win in the first round. Let's say in the second round they're facing Philly and Joel Embiid is hurt again. Wouldn't you hate to be there and be like, damn, if we'd only upgraded, you know, that right. uh, that Jeff Teague spot, you know, at the deadline, you know, we could beat Philly. Now we're right back in the East finals with a chance. That's what it's about. It's about just trying to be the best team you can be. There's not a, the Celtics are not good enough to be thinking about, how do we beat LeBron in the finals? Um, you know, how, how do we beat, you know, how do we defend Giannis in the East? You know, how, how do we handle the Nets? They're not good enough to be that, but what they are good enough to be is, is better than what they've been. And that's what this move did for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's something that gives them the little boost that they need. I do think it bumps them up probably into the middle of the pack in the uh, in the Eastern Conference playoff race there. So maybe they get to five, maybe four, like you mentioned. Um, I, I think that, in some ways, it's a little bit underwhelming as far as using that big trade exception in order to get Fournier. A yeah. lot of people were talking about uh, about a lot of other players that could be fitting into that spot. Certainly, maybe some bigger names. But the bottom line is, I think he's a good fit, and uh, and they're bringing in some help to win right now. And so you got to like that. You also mentioned Andre Drummond. We have a little bit of an update here on him. Uh, oh. Brad Turner of the L.A. Times. Nothing groundbreaking here, but but Brad Turner of the L.A. Times, who's pretty plugged in. Uh, I can attest to that, said Andre Drummond uh, getting a buyout from Cleveland. The Lakers are still the front runners to land him, but 
they do have competition from other teams, which again, nothing that we didn't really know, but just confirmation that while, yeah, the Lakers are probably the most likely landing spot, it's not a done deal. It's not locked in or anything like that. So when you've got these teams like Boston, you've got a few others that are pursuing him, you know, the New York Knicks, the Charlotte Hornets, these other teams that we've been hearing, uh, it's not a done deal that he's just set and going to the Lakers. I will say, too, with Drummond, one of the things that I've heard is, yes, he does want to win, but Andre Drummond is not at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a lot of years left, so he can he, – he is not someone who's just trying to catch – he's not Blake Griffin, right, who's trying to catch on and finish this thing out with a championship. Right. And so because of that, he may look at some teams that aren't necessarily the Lakers. I was told Roll is going to be very important to him. He wants to play. He wants to be a part of things. He's sat now for half yeah. the season. Um, so I, I think it is really important uh, for for uh, people to recognize that. The last thing I'll say, too, is I still think the Lakers is probably where he goes. Um, just, you know, my, uh, trying to be funny here, or, you know, pick on the Lakers by any means, but when the Lakers want somebody, the gener- generally the Lakers get them if they have the means to do so. Um, but the other thing that I will say um, with Drummond is he's an East Coast guy. He's always been an East Coast guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is some thought that he may want to stay um, in the East Coast, especially in the Northeast, which is why I think uh, Boston and Brooklyn or, or Boston and New York are on that list. It is a little odd that the Nets haven't really been in on yeah. him. It seems like they're they're looking other ways. But I think the Nets are feeling pretty good right now with DeAndre Jordan, Nicholas Claxton, and whatever they're going to get out of Blake Griffin. They may not be looking at a big anymore. Yeah, that's certainly possible, although their their name did pop up with LaMarcus Aldridge for it to yeah. be a particularly a potential landing spot for him. But uh but yeah we'll have Just to wait and see what... to get anybody who plays defense. Yeah, you don't need that. You need defense? more offense, right? Yeah, no, you don't need yeah. that. Just, just defense you know, the, what is what's the saying? The best defense is a good offense, isn't that it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think maybe that's how it goes. You know, why not? <laughs> uh, let, let's go to um to the other team. Boston's kind of competing with we think in the middle yeah. of the pack in the East, the Miami Heat. Yes, they they, they made the move from Victor Oladipo. Uh, they also traded for Nam. I, I like both of those moves. I do think um, the Heat are going to get LaMarcus Aldridge. That seems to be really where that one's heading. I mm-hmm. think that makes sense, too, because I think that's the place where he can have the biggest role. Bam Adebayo is kind of the only big left on this roster outside of pre- him and Precious Achua. And Achua is an untested rookie who's kind of more of a four than a five. You know, he play, I guess he's four or five. He's fine, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in that um, vein in the NBA today. But, you know, Aldridge can come in there. I think he could start because I think they've got enough good defenders to protect him if they wanted to start him. Um, but I also think he could be that second unit hub that I've talked about where you just kind of, you know, play through him a little bit. You play pick and pop, throw it to him in the post, let him do some stuff. So I'm guessing that's where he heads. Oladipo, I don't know how much I really like this for, for Miami. I thought they were fine at the two-guard spot with Duncan Robinson and Tyler right. Nero. I, you know, I just, you know, Oladipo, too, can, can he play with Goran Dragic? Is, you know, are they going to be able to play together? They, they, they don't necessarily both shoot it really well enough to, to play off each other. I, I just find the fit to be a little odd um, there, whether that was going to be now or via free agency, as they talked about. Um, and then Bielitsa, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's a, you know, scoring forward um, that can do some stuff for you off the bench. My guess is probably by playoff time. It's probably not a big part of the playoff rotation because you already have a couple guys you got to you 
you're going to work on kind of hiding uh, there. And, and you already got Trevor Ariza, mm-hmm. too. So it starts to be, all right, well, we're not going 12 deep in a playoff game. You know, but Miami's protected themselves. They've got older players. They have injuries or whatever. They're, they're going to be in okay shape. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I just don't know how much better they really are. I thought Kelly Olenek was was better for them and more important for them than a lot of people are giving it credit to. But if they feel like they're pretty confident they're getting LaMarcus Aldridge, which, I mean, has been probably yeah. the strongest rumor is that LaMarcus Aldridge is going to Miami, um, that that eases that pain a little bit of losing Olenek. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll see on the other side, the Houston Rockets. Trevor, I mean, this is bad. Now. Dude, what, now, what now is happening really here? The Harden yeah. trade is your, looking your worse and worse. Exactly. Your return for James Harden is a ton of draft picks and draft pick swap capabilities. Maybe the Nets go the route the Celtics got from the Nets and they, you know, it all falls apart on them in the next couple of years. And, and they're really bad. You, you almost have to be hoping for that because mm-hmm. otherwise you traded top five, top seven player in the NBA for a bunch of picks in the 20s. Because you got nothing for Oladipo. You lost out on, you could have just kept Karis LeVert. Or Jared you know, Allen. Young and I, Karis LeVert is not, Jared Allen, that one I don't know if that was ever really theirs to keep. Because I think Cleveland was in that from the beginning mm. um, to help facilitate and move things around. So I'm not, I, I'm not going to put that one necessarily on the Rockets. Um, I mean, yeah, you probably could have worked it out and said, right. just cut him out. We'll take him ourselves. But they already had Christian Wood at the five. He's much more of a five than he is a four. And I can get get why you felt good about that. But, you know, yeah, Levert is not 22 or 23. You know, he's a little older, but he's good. He's young enough to be you know, part of your team, your core. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you moved on from him. I get why they did it because their intention was, right, be good. They were 11 and 10. And right in the mix in the West until they won on that 20-game losing streak. But now you look at it, you've got some messy con and Eric Gordon and John Wall. Uh, Wood and Porter are kind of your building blocks moving forward. Olenek and Bradley do nothing for you. Um, They're not uh, sign-and-trade candidates. They're not going to probably re-sign them. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them were off somewhere else uh, by, you know, the next couple of days and, you know, catching on with contenders. Um, I I just – I. Hey, I'm just I'm very discouraged because I think the Rockets, you know, you had you had to trade James Harden, but boy, now your return just looks pretty, pretty ugly. Yeah, it's going to be man, this is going to be a big, big, long, drawn out process for them to battle their way back. They did not do themselves any favors with the moves that they've been making. Uh, man, I mean, tough time to be a Rockets fan. That's for sure. I mean, the, the initial return was underwhelming for James Harden, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse with each move that they that they make here. So not good stuff in Houston. Uh, but before we, we wrap up here, I do want to make sure that we talk about our buddy, Rajon Rondo. <laughs> Ron- yeah, he's going back across the hall at Staples again. That's... I don't think he's looking for a fight this time around. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. Has he been talking to Chris Paul about the secret tunnel or anything like that? We'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to see. We'll have right? to see on that one. But uh, uh, yeah, Rondo, look, Rondo to the Clippers in exchange for picks, a couple of second rounders. And then you've got Luke Williams also going from the Clippers, which I think is a pretty decent loss there. And then Cash, all from the Clippers to the Hawks in exchange for. For Rondo, um, I get it. I get the thinking from the Clippers side of things. I understand what they're looking for, but uh, do you think I? I feel like they overpaid a little bit. How do you feel about that, Keith? All right, everybody accuses you and I of agreeing too much. 
you're wrong. We okay. don't agree. I think this was great for the Clippers. I think this was huge. Clippers were already starting to phase Lou Williams out. He wasn't playing as much. Uh, Luke Kennard was starting mm-hmm. to eat into his minutes a little bit. Reggie Jackson was playing over him. Even when Patrick Beverly was healthy, they were starting to go to Reggie Jackson because Lou Williams' game does not necessarily fit great with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, he's a scoring guard who can't defend anybody because he's only six foot one. So you're in a position here where you're bringing in Rondo as a more of a playmaker, right? Sure. Someone who can Absolutely. get your offense into its sets, somebody who can help Ty Lu organize the team when they need it and those kind of things. And then clearly you're banking on who really cares what he does for the next two months. It's what he does for the two months yep. after that, right? That, that's what you're looking at. If you get playoff Rondo, you're feeling pretty good. You you guys won a title last year as, as Lakers fans in a big part because you got playoff Rondo who showed up. So I think, um, you know, I like it from that standpoint because, like I said, you were you were phasing Lou Williams out anyway. So if you're already moving in that direction, now you can bring in bring in Rondo and you know and the the picks whatever you know I don't that part I don't you know mm-hmm. that's I mean they don't really have second rounders and they Steve Ball yeah Steve Ballmer can go buy a pick if he wants anyway it doesn't matter you know he's got more money than you know he knows what to do with so I'm not if they ever need to get somebody they can go make that happen um draft pick wise so yeah I, I like this quite a bit for the Clippers um I'm not saying it changes the fortunes of the Western Conference or anything but I do think this this is they are now a better team, and now they're protected. If Beverly can't get right, mm-hmm. can't you know, doesn't look good. Now you've got a better better option than Reggie Jackson to go to to kind of run your offense. No, I I understand the thinking for the Clippers, and that makes sense. If it does, if playoff Rondo shows up, it was worth it, right? Whether it turns into a championship or not, playoff Rondo shows up, it was worth it because he makes an impact then on the court and off. During the regular season, he makes an impact off the court, not so much on. So it's a gamble where you're hoping that playoff Rondo will show up and you're risking Lou Williams, whatever else you could have done with that contract or whatever scoring he could have provided you with come playoff time. And maybe that's not a lot. Certainly other teams will target him on defense, but teams will target Rondo now defensively. I mean, we can, yeah, I can certainly t- he <laughs> tell can you all hold about up that. a little bit better, a little bit. Yeah. He, uh, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he can still, but what you'll at least get with Rondo is he'll gamble 25 times. And he might come up with three steals. Yes. Right, where Lou Williams is just going to let you post him up and shoot over him. Right. Yep. Exactly. And then, and then the picks and everything. What you know, whatever. I just don't know that Rondo is the solution to all of the Clippers' problems. But again, if playoff Rondo shows up, it's fine. I think that's really what it comes down to. If playoff Rondo shows up, yeah. they're good. If he doesn't, then it's not so good. But I guess it's a it's a low risk either way. Yeah, let's close it out on one that I think is going a little under the radar. Okay. And I really liked the Portland Trailblazers picked up oh, Norman yes. Powell yep. for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Uh, Hood, that part, I mean, that was just salary match, right? And and, and Hood, Hood isn't, he's just unfortunate he's not going to probably ever be the same guy after the, the you know, multiple injuries he's had now. Um, I think he's just been kind of robbed of what he was. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. blew up in the bubble, looked really, really good because mm-hmm. uh, he mostly played, you know, a lot for Dame Lillard, played for C.J. McCollum, some there. But I think what you lose defensively going from Trent to Powell, you more than make up for it in every other facet of the game. Powell is better than Trent. He's a better scorer. He's a better shooter. He's a better ball handler. He's a better playmaker off the dribble. Uh, Trent is your 
He's your uh, traditional three and D yep. player. Um, he's a not, he's a very good three and D player. I can tell you that. Um, but he's not. <laughs> he's you know yeah right. He's just not. He's just not anything special. And I think Powell, because of his experience playing uh, in three guard lineups with Lowry and Van Vliet a lot in Toronto and playing up. Portland's going to get a lot of mileage out of him playing with Damon CJ. And I think the Blazers now, what you did was you turned two okay bench guys into one really, really good bench guy. And I think Portland's, they're getting Nurkic back now. Um, they, they, they've they got uh, the two forwards that they didn't have a year ago in Jones and Covington. McCollum is back and looks pretty good and healthy. Dame is putting together an MVP caliber season. I think Portland, you know, they, they're – you're below the Utah, LA teams, mm-hmm. uh, Denver. Um, I'm leaving somebody out. Phoenix. Phoenix. Um, Phoenix. Yeah, sorry, Phoenix. You are very, very good and deserve all the love you get. <laughs> um, though they're, I think they're just behind those teams. But again, they made themselves better right now. Uh, it, it, they can afford to pay Powell next year um, more, and, and I think you can afford to give him a good a good chunk of change um, because I think he just fits a little bit better with Damon CJ as far as what he'll be able to do again, because he spent the last few years playing alongside Lowry and Van Bleet. So I, I think that's going to be big for them on the Toronto side of it. They get out of getting into a messy situation potentially with Powell. We'll see, you know, if they want to do something with Trent, he should be, should come a good deal cheaper than Powell does. And I think as odd as this sounds, think he might be a better fit on their side because you've got Van Vliet. Let's see what they transition to and what they do with their flexibility after Lowry's contract expires. But but I like this one for Portland quite a bit. Yeah, I do as well. I think it's a nice addition for them. And and you know what? They may not be in that upper tier in the Western Conference, but they're also a team that nobody's going to want to see in the playoffs. They're a team yeah. that you can't take lightly because they will beat you. And, and you know what? You don't want to be in a game with them anywhere near the end of the fourth quarter and have the game be within five because Damian Lillard can win that game all by himself. Yeah. From half court, from half court, (laughs) from another city. While he, while he (laughs) stares, while he stares you down and absolutely like just breaks your heart. Like I, I I love nothing more than Damian Lillard late in a game, just because you, you know, he's, he's coming through Mm -hmm. at this point. Like you you just know it's going to happen. Last one we'll talk about uh, just because it was related to Kyle Lowry, not getting traded George Hill. To Philadelphia, they did a nice job, uh, you know, plucking him for really nothing. Um, did didn't give up much at all. Um, but I will say, Tony Bradley's a bit of a loss right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. to me says they're very confident Joel Embiid will come back and be fine, uh, because right now it's kind of Dwight Howard's show in the middle until Embiid gets back. Um, and Bradley was playing playing pretty well for them, so so they they're they're in a position where that that's a bigger loss than it looks like but as long as you think Embiid's going to be fine and can go 35 minutes a night in the playoffs you're you're good so I think I think they're they're fine I think George Hill's a major upgrade for them as a backup guard um on their second unit I I think he'll do really really yeah I mean they can already shoot it from three and he can certainly continue on with that uh Keith but this was like I said an amazing trade deadline a lot more fun than we thought it was going to be way more action and that's always a good thing. So you got to love it. Got to love this league and the way the NBA handles these uh, these transactional time periods. It's uh, it's a lot of fun and uh, glad that we got to experience that as exhausted as we are now. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'll take this over the the trade deadlines where it was, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, many, many years ago, there was one deal was like Anthony Carter yep. got traded. And like, that was like it. And it was like, what was this? Like, I remember, <laughs> I think I skipped classes when that happened in, back in college uh, that year. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't good. And I, I remember a year very clearly I called into work and the, one of the biggest trades was Alexi Shved. Got, got dealt and it was like this that, that was all it was i skipped work for this i blew a sick day could, could have been hanging out enjoying the sunshine but you know instead i was inside but yeah man this was wild absolutely great my cap sheets are still a mess i'm plowing <laughs> through as quick as i can but th- those will be up on uh, patreon pretty soon but yeah yeah i guess we'll come back ne- next week we'll we'll talk about buyout market and all that stuff and then we'll start uh for our specific show here um, while we'll still talk about what's going on in the league now, we'll we'll start to turn our eyes a little bit towards the offseason. That's right. That's right, which is going to come up before we even know it because this season is absolutely flying by. But um, <laughs> everybody, thank you guys for, for listening and for watching. If you're watching over here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, appreciate you guys. Make sure you do subscribe and don't forget to turn on notifications as well. And if you're listening over on Apple Podcasts, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. We do appreciate getting reviews in there right here for the NBA front office show. Keith? I think it's a pretty good wrap-up, and uh, hey, here's the next trade deadline, right? <laughs> That's it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll have time to breathe by then. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you, and uh, stay safe out there. See you.